going guys welcome back to the optimize self podcast hope everyone's having a great day and you're enjoying yourself whatever you're doing now before i introduce my next guest i just wanted to say a big thank you to everyone who's listened to my most recent episode with Catherine hay she loves nutrition she loves food and she loves sharing her passion for it i've got plenty of downloads from this the highest yet lots of feedback and i'm loving it so if anyone out there is enjoying this podcast please leave me a review give me a rating on itunes share tag give me some feedback i would love to hear what people have to say now if anyone out there does follow me on instagram optimize.self you'll see that i offer online personal training i offer customized programs to anyone that is after certain fitness goals no matter what it is i can give you what you need so please don't hesitate to contact me message me send me a dm and we'll get you started enough said guys here's my next guest his name is john ardham he's a local footscray man which is a western the western suburbs of melbourne he has a has had a very interesting life he's got an amazing story he's been in the ups and downs john was first arrested at the age of 11 and from then on he ended up being imprisoned on and off throughout his 20s and his 30s dealing with substance abuse and many other issues but he has a story that is very powerful because he's someone that has come out the other end and is absolutely thriving where he is now he's full of love he's got a great story and i hope you guys enjoy this podcast speak to you soon guys bye well john um welcome to the optimized self podcast good to have you here mate Uh, good to be here um for anyone that doesn't know john is a um a familiar face in the Footscray area. Um, I know him from making copies for him for the last couple of years and just you mowing my lawns. Um, to get into it, mate, I'd, you've got a quite an interesting story. You've led a pretty interesting life. So I wanted to just start off with, um, you know, where were you born and where, where are you from originally? Oh, um, my name's John and um, I was born in Footscray. Yep. Two streets from where I live now. Okay. Um, the Footscray Hospital. Yeah, I was brought up in the western suburbs. Yep. of Melbourne, um, yeah, St Albans, Sunshine, and back to Footscray, um, yeah, yeah, um, that's, that's yeah, that's where yeah, that's where you. There's from. a little saying, you know, you can take a person out of the western suburbs, but you can't take the western suburbs out of a person. <laughs> yeah. That's funny as well. It's a good place to live, and I mean, you've you've been here for your whole life, and it's yeah. interesting to see obviously the place is becoming more and more popular like more and more people are moving to the west or just the, the city's growing right yeah it must have been a completely different part of the, the city back then what was it like growing up in footscray when it was you know it was it would have been very industrial back then hey oh uh, not so much i used to go to geelong road state school okay um which is now footscray primary yep um yeah it was yeah, it was just, you know, well, for me and my journey and my experience, what happened for me, you know, I started wagging school with me mates. And, yeah. You know, and we'd go and do a bit of crime here and there, a bit petty stuff. And, yeah. And, um, yeah, and that was that was the norm, you know, on our push bikes and, you know, um, it was just what we'd done yeah. in that time, what I did. Yeah. Not everyone did that, but, yeah, and... Um, 
And then, then, you know, I was arrested at Footscray Police Station and I was made a ward of the state. And How old were you when you were first 11. arrested? 11. Yeah, for housebreaking and factory breaking. Okay. Yeah. So were you going around, like, with kids and mates, just you were just looking for things to do, right? Were you, like, yeah. bored? Generally bored? Or generally, was just... yeah, we were just generally bored and, you know, we were pinching money and... Um, going to what they called the log shops, yeah. you know, playing the money machines yeah. to make more money and, you know, and buying push bike parts and, and doing house breakings and all that stuff, you know, like, and for me it become normal. Yeah. You know, but I got arrested and I was put into a boy's home at 11. At 11 years old? Yeah, in Parkville at Baltara. Okay. And I was made a ward of the state. Um, how long were you in the boys' school for? Um, I was... Um, I was in Baltara for two months. Okay. In 1971, I still remember the date. Yeah. <laughs> the date and everything. And um, I was made a ward of the state. Um, and my father was really sick. He um, received a brain hemorrhage and, um, yeah, it was sad. Okay. And um, all the attention went to my father yep. and his well-being and health. My mum quit work to look after him and... And I just went on my merry way with my mates and um, and then I got arrested again and put into boys' homes for a longer period this time. And and then I just I started to become institutionalised. At a young age? At a young age, you know, I was 12, now 13. And, yeah. <clears throat> and then I pinched my first car um, at 15, yep. 14. And um, I was locked up in Toronto Youth Training Centre and... Um, and yeah, and I become institutionalised. You know, I felt like I belonged, and you know, we all had similarities in what we were doing. Yeah, and, with the other know, inmates. Yeah, 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 and I felt I belonged, and um, you know, for me, you know, and, and it just become a normal thing of doing yeah. and being. Um, now, do you have any brothers or sisters? Oh, two half brothers. Okay, yeah. so your mum obviously ended up having to put all her attention into looking after your father who was yeah. obviously quite unwell. Oh, um, my brothers were a lot older, they were adults and okay. uh, from my father's first marriage and yeah. You know, and um and I'm proud to say I was a mummy's boy. Yeah. You know, um she was they were both good people, you know, they when I was younger they worked, they provided for me. But I went that way. Yeah. Um so you were 15 and you had been institutionalised for, for a little, you know, a couple of years almost? Yeah, four yeah. years. What, what happened after that when you were, you know, you said you found a bit of common ground with some of the, the inmates or the, the, the guys that you were you were spending a lot of time with. Um, yeah, well, like for me, you know, I didn't realise it at the time. I can now, I'm near 60. Yeah. Now I can look back and come to some understanding. Um, you know, and I started drinking alcohol a lot, you know, 14, 15. But every time I was being released, I'd escape. Um, I'd escape before being paroled. I now it was youth parole and and um, my sentence, you know, I'd done 22 months um, in that time and 22 and a half months. And, um, but I was always talking and planning and writing to my parents that, I'm going to do things different. When I get out, I'm going to get a job, get a car, get a license, and I'm going to get my act together and do things right, as my parents did, you know. Mm. Um, yeah. Um, 
and I was going to get my act and get my shit together mm. before um, I, you know, I was never going to end up in Pentridge. Yeah. You know? But yeah, every time I'd get out, I'd get drunk mm. and then get locked up again and you know, what happened. Yeah. And that was my journey for the next umpteen years. Yeah. You know, I ended up in Pentridge and that was scary. Yeah, sure. I was just 17. When you went to Pentridge Prison? Yeah. Okay, what did you go there for? Um, escaping legal custody. Yeah. Um, from Marsborough Youth Training Centre, Langley Calcol. Um, I was made unfit for Youth Training Centre. Okay. Um, and I was put into Pentridge and um, I was there for 14 months. Um, yeah, it was... Uh, I was in J Division for young offenders called the Yogis. Okay. Um, yeah, and then I was put into B Division. Yeah. Hardcore crims. Um, like adults, and you know, it was scary. At you know? seventeen or eighteen. Yeah, eighteen. Can yeah. you can you explain to people that are listening just pe- what Pentridge prison prison is or was? Um, uh, it was a prison prison for. Um, Offenders yeah. <laughs> in the community because it's no yeah. longer open, is it? No, 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 it's a housing estate now. Yeah, you know, I take my son. I've got two sons now. I've taken them, taken them for a drive there. Yeah, through the housing estate and all that feeling and the smell just comes back like yesterday. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, I'm one thing for sure. I'll never end up back there. It's yeah. closed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, my life become in and out of um, Pentridge and country prisons and it was, um, and then drugs become involved. Yeah. Uh, I um, had my first hit in Pentridge. Of heroin? No, I don't know what drug it was, okay. <laughs> you know, yep. to be honest. Because um, I was always anxious, you know, for mail every day, if I got a letter it made me feel good. Yeah. Um, you know, I was always anxious and nervy, you know, like, you know, and I've seen some horrific stuff in there, mm. you know, um, stuff that I've never seen before, you know. Um, but I lived on a front to um, survive, mm. to cope mm. with what was going on, you know. But deep down inside, as I understand, I was fearful, mm. you know, but I wouldn't admit it then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You can't express your feelings and emotions in prison. Yeah, sure. <laughs> And talk, talk about it, you know. Um, and it's got to be tough, especially you know? at eighteen, or as a teenager still, and a young. Yeah, man. yeah, and um, I'm good at art, and I was drawing a lot, and then I become involved with tattooing in prison, and you know, and then that that helped me to feel accepted, yeah, and feel a part of, yeah, um, you know, and yeah, and and now I'm getting older, you know, I've got these grand plans on getting out. I'm going to get a job, get a car, get a license. Now I'm older. I'm going to have a partner and get some kids happening and settle down. And deep down inside is John the human being. I really wanted to. But just before getting out, I'm going to go and party up with my mates first. You know, mm. I've been seen a girl for a while. I'm going to do that. Had a bit, a bit of freedom. Yeah, party up mm-hmm. and celebrate. Um, I'll do that. And I'll end up back in Pentridge again. Yep. What happened? Scratching my head. Yeah. And that become normal routine. Yeah. You know? What was the routine that you had? So if you were, once you got released, what was the, the, the habits that led you to all of a sudden ending back up in prison? What were you going through? Oh, once I go and get drunk and, you know, and um, 
go and get drunk and party with me mates and, you know, just no care, you know, like, you know, mocking the system and mocking mm. the police, you know, and, um, yeah, bugger them, you know. Yeah. Bugger that. Yeah. Bugger everything. Mm. Who cares? I deserve everything. And I end up doing crime again when I'm drunk and we're out of, out of it on drugs mm. and end up back inside. What happened? Mm. It was their fault. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You weren't taking responsibility, were nah. you? But I started out of prison for um, 1980. Um, I got out and I got involved with um, amphetamine, speed. Yeah. And I loved it. Yeah. Because uh, I, beforehand, you know, I always felt I wasn't a part of. I, I felt a lot more part of in prison and, you know, like, and with my criminal mates. But deep down inside, I never felt accepted, I never felt good enough, I never felt loved. In the community, I felt like I was someone, I was an alien. Mm. You know, like I had a sign on my forehead. Mm. I just got out of jail and everybody could tell, you know. Mm. But today I accept that, you know, I was just another human being walking down the street. But how I felt in myself, that's how I felt. And did that did that feeling lead you to, to take drugs? Because yeah. it gave you a sense of, yeah. of a belonging and a purpose, maybe? Yeah, it made me feel powerful. Yeah. It made me feel I did belong, you know, I felt and then I started selling it. Yeah. You know, and um yeah, I started selling drugs and heroin and you know, all that stuff and using it and you know, smoking dope and um, pills and, you know, like I always had to have a drug to do something different, mm. you know. Speed to stay awake, to get things done. Mm. Um, heroin to sleep with a few pills, you know. Smoking dope wasn't a problem, you know. Only when I never had it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. All that stuff, you know. like, But I didn't see that as a problem. Yeah. You know, um, it made me, yeah, it made me feel powerful, but then... And I had money, you know, and um, I felt accepted and I felt, you know, it made me feel powerful and I, and I loved it. Mm. And I chased it every day, mm. you know, and then after four years, and I stayed out of prison for four years, I thought, selling drugs is a solution to me, not going back to prison. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm not jumping through people's windows or doing crime. Yeah. This is a solution. And it was my truth at that part of my life. Well, for sure. I mean, you can understand you had a bit of a purpose, you had something that people wanted as well, that you, and you were making money from it. You could, yeah. you could survive if you obviously didn't get caught. Um, but I think that's pretty common, can be a pretty common thing with people when using drugs, they, especially to an abusive stage, they, they're, they're trying to find something that makes them feel kind of wanted or worthwhile and sometimes if there's a lot of underlying pain if it's trauma from growing up or being you know in prison that the drug can give them the sense of you know it can mask that 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 trauma um so you spent four years out of prison i mean yeah yeah yeah. and um yeah and then but after four years all of a sudden i um i owe thousands of dollars and to all these um people yeah for drugs um i had no money couldn't get drugs i had a lot of money for drugs and um i went and done crime to pay my debts and i ended up back in pentridge yeah and um i was death warmed up you know my arms and legs were flicking everywhere i was gray Mm. you know and um 
Yeah, and I thought, what, what, what's happened to her? You know? Really? And, um, yeah, and, um, yeah, what's happened, you know? And um, I just wanted to die. You just yeah, found yourself back really, in. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah, and I was in there and I was on remand and I got bail. Okay. And um, I heard about a um, court diversion. Yeah. About being sentenced to some detox rehab thing. Never heard of it before, but I heard other guys going for it and I thought I'm going to go for that. Okay. And I got out on bail and I had to do three urines a week at a place in Preston. And then they said I... Um, they said that I had to go to this... Um, I had to go to this um, meeting of um i had to go to a meeting in the city every wednesday night with a group of people that live a similar lifestyle yeah to my past you know concerning drugs and i went there and i didn't want to go there you know? and i was still using drugs every day i had to use drugs to feel normal yeah yeah you know and um i went there and um yeah and all i thought about in this meeting was um, getting back in my car and having more speed and that's what I did mm. but for me for me I went to court and I got sentenced back to prison Yeah, I wasn't accepted on this court diversion you know my urines got dirtier and not cleaner mm. you know I had no desire to stop and mm. I just had a great big desire not to go back to prison but when I went back to prison I made, I took on, made a decision I must have heard something somewhere but within myself, I made a decision when I went back at the prison was to um, get my shit together, get my act together. Um, because this, it was this old bloke there and he said um, he can't get himself right while he's outside. So he uses prison to his advantage to get himself good. Mm. So I took that on. You know, I don't know why, it just happened. And so I started doing weights and started sleeping well, eating well. You know, a bit of jail food. As best you could. Put, yeah, yeah, putting weight on, started drawing and everything. And I was offered drugs all the time. Did I made that decision? No, it was the first time since I started drinking and using drugs that I made the decision not to. Okay. And, um, and I started thinking a lot more clearly. And then just before getting out, took it. I'm going to catch up with my mates. Really? And same old stuff from the past yeah. before getting out. Catch up with my mates, party up. And, um, yeah. And and that's what I did. And I ended up back in prison again. I was caught up back into the revolving door syndrome. Okay. You know, ended up back in jail again. But every time I went back to prison, because as soon as I'd get out, I'd start on the drugs again. Yeah. And as soon as I went back to prison, I'd get myself right again. Yeah. You know, long story short, you know, I, um, due to an administration error, I was done for um, armed robbery, uh, conspiracy armed robbery, and um, a theft of motor car and a few some gun charges, and um, and I had bail refused. Yeah. But they let me out the gate by mistake, an administration really? error. Wow. Yeah. And um, it was just a paperwork muck up, you know, huh. within the system, and, um, they let me out the gate and um, I ended up in Perth later on and got done for robbing a bank. In Perth? Yeah. How'd you, how'd you come about wanting to rob a bank and thinking you could get away with it? I mean, what year was this? Uh, oh, 1990s. Yeah. 
90. 1990. Would have been yeah. a bit easier back then, maybe, than yeah. today. Oh, yes, yeah. But um, I ended up getting seven and a half years in prison for um, um, robbery and robbery while armed and theft of a motor car. Okay. And, um, yeah, made a couple of good friends and, yeah, one's passed away now and I'm still friends with the other guy today. Yeah, we talk yeah. a lot. Yeah. You know, and um, we've known each other since we were 11. Yeah. You know, he's you know, a good friend. And, um, yeah, and I was supposed to do three and a half years, but when I got that seven and a half years, I didn't stay clean in prison. You, know? you I, didn't? No. No. I just gave up on myself and life. Okay. Like, for me, things in my life weren't getting better. They were getting worse. Yeah. You know, prison sentences for months and a couple of years. Now we're getting a lot longer. Things weren't getting any better. Mm. Can you can you remember? Is there any time that you went back to prison that you had to go cold, cold turkey on the drugs, or was it always oh, every, easy to get? Every time. Every time. Yeah, uh, it was like detoxing without medication. And What's that. that like going through? Oh, it's horrible. Coming off horrible. heroin or coming off speed. Yeah, horrible. Yeah. yeah I was getting cramps and sweating, and you know, like. Yeah, but the mental stuff, you know, it was it was hard. But as time went on in the future, you know, I was, I was I've done four years out of that seven and a half years. I was supposed to do three and a half and be paroled. But um, due to overdosing on heroin in prison, I was um, I went down the back for twenty eight days down the slot. And they yeah. call it choky over there, and um, yeah, they paroled. You know, like 23 hours of the day in, in a cell and one hour a day walking around in the yard talking to no one and, you know, like that does some mental stuff for me. And, um, yeah, and then they paroled me to a drug and alcohol rehab. Okay. And um, in Perth and um, we had, you know, it was a 12-step rehab and we um, had to go to these meetings like I'd had done in 1984. Mm. Um People there were talking about living a life similar to what I was always planning. And um, and I thought, something good's going on here. Mm. You know, but I left that rehab after 10 days and flew back to Melbourne. Yeah. You know, and, um, and then I become institutionalised to detoxes and rehabs. Okay. You know, yeah. Can, I, you, can you just shed a little bit of a light, if you can remember, on... Um, ODing on heroin in prison. What were you trying to like? Were you going through a, a state where you just wanted to, to all end? So you thought I'd do a lot, or was this you just took some heroin and I just took too much. You took too much. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, I'm a, what, what, what you call the guts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can just never get enough into me. Okay. You know, and um, yeah, it was just yeah. No, I wasn't. I didn't want to die. Mm, mm. I just, just didn't care. Mm. You know. Um, I always had these grand plans, you know. I remember talking in the prison cell with my two co-offenders and, um, you know, our plans on when we get out, you know, I want to live in a farmhouse on top of a hill with a long driveway. Yeah. And guess what? I still want it. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah and that's reality, you know, and and that's my truth. Yeah. You know, just a peaceful life. Yeah. And today, I still want to live a peaceful life. Yeah. You know? Do you? Do, did you always have that, um, like, um, dream or idea in your head through your whole, 
you know, from when you were 17, you know, up until say where we are now in the story of your life that you, that you wanted to get your stuff together and you wanted to get your shit together and you wanted to get outside and, you know, make amends and do good. Was that always playing in the back of your mind throughout your whole, you know, career in, sorry, your whole stint in prison? Very part of it is being John the human being, not John the crim or yeah. John the drug addict. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wanted to... I wanted to feel just a part of the, you know, just wanted to live my life differently. Yeah. Deep down, true, truly inside. Um, but I lived on a front in prison, you know, mm. like, uh, but I found my true self in my thoughts, you know, like I, I got caught in the bank once, you know, everything, you know, I got caught in the bank once dressed as a Catholic priest in Perth, mm. you know, um, off my head, you know, doing dud checks. Mm. Um, but in that moment, you know, being at the counter in the bank doing bank dud checks, I thought, you know, I was off my head on speed. I thought, this is not right. Mm. This is not what my parents brought me up to do. Mm. But then the thoughts in my mind to get more money and um, to pay my drug debts and get more drugs overrode the way I really felt. Mm. And that was more important because drugs were really important to me. You know, it was made, you know, that was, you know, but I understand that today, but I couldn't understand it then, you know, but I found my true self in that moment, mm. you know, that the disease of addiction overrode the way I truly felt about being John the human being, mm. you know. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I went to prison for that many years later, you know, and I felt awful. You know, um, I felt awful, and then many years later, I ended up working in a church as a cleaner. Mm. <laughs> right. Repay uh, your debts. <laughs> yeah, it was just a job after I got out of the rehab, the last rehab I was in. I'd done a lot of drug and alcohol rehabs. Yeah. Um, and I heard other people's experience, and they gave me some hope. Yeah. Well, if they can live life differently, Maybe I can. Yeah, for sure. Now, I've been off the drugs and alcohol now in July, 13 years. Yeah, wow. You know, I love my life. You know? Yeah. Um, but I ended up in a rehab in St Kilda, um, an Aboriginal rehab. Is this after you flew back from Perth? Yeah. You'd done some time there. Yeah. You came back to Melbourne. Yeah. I and jumped then... me parole in Perth. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, I came back to Melbourne and I was still using drugs and not wanting to use them and and um, I ended up in a rehab again, you know, and um, detox said okay for a few days, but I'll just go and do what I'd always done. And I thought I'd better go and do another rehab and I ended up in this rehab for six months and I had what, what I call a rehab romance. Yeah. One of the girls from the girls' house and um, she got a daughter out of foster care and um, yeah, and we, I stayed clean from drugs and alcohol for nearly two years. And yeah. in, in that time, she ended up working in the rehab that she left. Um, I got a car, I got a license, we had a son, yeah. two dogs, two cats, <laughs> renting a house. The stuff that I was always, similar to what I was always gonna, gonna do, yeah, yeah. I was doing. Yeah. But I always thought I'm not really a drug addict yeah. in my mind. I wouldn't say it, but I thought, you know, I was a speed freak, you know. The people on heroin now, they're drug addicts, you know. Yeah. I'm never going to be like that, you know. Um, 
Yeah. And I relapsed. I relapsed on um, speed. After two years. Yeah, nearly two years, yeah. And um, and then I was knocking on the door of a rehab, uh, of a detox, asking for help to stop. But it was then that I accepted that I'm a drug addict. Once I start, I can't stop. I heard other people, a group of people talking about that stuff. But I wasn't fully convinced in myself. But that relapse convinced me that, yeah, I am too, you know. Okay. And I stayed clean for another nearly two years again. Yeah. Had another son. Now I've got two boys, Reggie and Aaron, and um, who I love dearly. And, um, yeah, and um, and all of a sudden I'm a single parent mm. with two boys, eight months old and 21 months old. Wow. And, um, yeah, and they... Um, yeah, and I thought to myself, now this was not my plan. I mean, I'll get out of prison, you know, like I, you know, um, being a single parent with two boys. Yeah, had some responsibility. Yeah, like changing bums all day, and I didn't even know how to cook because in prison, in the institutions, you don't cook. Mm. Everything's done for you. I mm. didn't even know that you don't wash towels with jumpers or mm. white t shirts with jeans because I never had to do it before. Mm. And, um, yeah, but it gave me a purpose in life for them. Yeah, you know, and it was hard. Yeah, I, it went, must have been. I went and done a parenting course at forty years of age, and yeah, um, you know, and uh, it was stressful, but it was beautiful. Yeah, you know, um, it gave me a purpose. But then um, I met another girl, <laughs> and she became more important than anything else. Mm. And uh, I just went through another experience. And I relapsed, you know, like a group of people said to me, you know, that, um, that the drugs had stopped working for them. And I used to think, well, you must be getting shit quality gear <laughs> because it's working fine for me. Yeah, yeah. Until it happened to me. Here I am, a single parent, and I'm using drugs again. And yeah. I hated it. Yeah. And I went, oh, the similarities. This is happening to me too. Yeah. Because I always, always used to look at the differences with other people and... Um, but I was experiencing using drugs and not wanting to, and I was overdosing on heroin. I overdosed a couple of times on speed. Okay. You know, like, um, yeah, it was it was a whole a horrible existence. You know, I went and done a few more detoxes, and and yeah, and um, yeah, it was horrible. Mm. You know, drugs for a long time made me feel powerful, made me feel confident, and a part of. Now it's making me feel a hundred times worse. Yeah, they weren't doing its thing anymore. It wasn't, the drugs just stopped working. And I went, oh, that's what they're talking about. Yeah. You know, and it was horrible. You know, and I, I had suicide thoughts and, you know, I was taking my boys to Sunday school and you know, at a church that I used to work at and, you know, and, um, you know, but I wouldn't use on Sundays. Mm. Use drugs on Sundays. I'd take my boys to um, Sunday school mm. in Collingwood and, um, the minister of the church, I was grey, I wasn't well. Mm. And um, on this particular day, I was actually thinking my boys are better off with someone else than a worthless piece of junk like me. I just, you know, just didn't like me. You know, they deserve better. Yeah. And this minister of the church, the pastor, he came up to me and he said, can I pray for you? And I went, oh, whatever. You know, and... Um, I thought I'm never going to get clean again. I'm just mm. going to end up using and die, but I want the best for me boys. Mm. 
and he put his hand on my shoulder, you know, and um, he put his hand on my shoulder and um, I closed my eyes and he said a few words I can't remember. But in my mind, for a second I thought, maybe I can get clean. For me, that experience showed me the power of prayer from power of pray, praying from yep. someone else. Yeah. Within a period of time, I was in a rehab again. You know, I'd been awake on the speed for six days and nights. My kids were with someone else because um, I knew that they were okay because I wasn't okay. Mm. And um, yeah, it was a horrible existence. And um, for me, and um, I never used so much as I did, you know, the amounts that I was using, you know, and um, yeah, and um, I thought, while I'm using, I don't want to do this. Mm. You know, I want, my, I want my mind clear. Mm. And for a minute moment, my mind was clear. Mm. I just had a big whack of speed, you know, mm. huge. And um, yeah, I thought that's what I want, you know. And um, I had a, a friend mentor sponsor thing and um, I rang him up and um, he, was, um, he had a rehab for men. Yeah. Um, him and his mate. And I said, I don't know what happened. And he said, get on your knees. And I hung up the phone. <laughs> and I did. Yeah. Um, I thought that was for weak people. But I felt really desperate and weak. You know, I didn't know what to do anymore. You know, I really hated myself. And, mm. um, yeah, and, um, and I did that, you know, screaming, you mm. know, in my house. And um, I phoned up this guy phoned him back and I said have you got a bed and he said yeah you better make a phone call or when I was your kids and I had a couple of dogs called Bob and Dylan and um yeah and I went into that rehab and it was the worst detox I'd ever done really in my life it was horrific you know I slept for four days and nights but in that time I was waking up in cramps screaming I couldn't eat yeah you know um, my throat was that dry like sandpaper you know it was horrific yeah. Um, and I was in this rehab and um, I woke up after four days. I was on medication for three days yeah. after that. And then I just went off the medication. I said, just tell me what I've got to do. I really want to do it. Yeah. And I was thinking about using drugs every day, mm. but I didn't want to. Mm. I'd had enough. Mm. And I'd had enough a lot of other times, but this time was different. You okay. know, I was really desperate. Yeah. And um, I was beaten and... Um, yeah, and I left that rehab after three weeks and um, I've been clean ever since. Really? That was the final detox? Yeah. No, the last rehab was the best one. It's closed now. Yeah. It was the best one. You know, yeah. And you, what do you feel gave you the 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 momentum to do that? Was it the prayer? Or was it, did you, did you, are you say you're a religious man or did you I'm say? I'm not religious. I believe in something you, out of myself. Yeah. You know, my mother was my, what you call her, high power. She's passed away. And, yeah. you know, look, she was a good person. Yeah. You know, and, um, and she directed me to do good things. Mm. You know, and um, I just look up and go, Mum, what would you have me do? You know, mm. or whatever, you know, mm. and, you know. And how I understand that is my mum talking back to me. Yeah. Someone out of myself. Yeah. You know, and, um, you know, and the first thought that comes back, is 
you know, my mum talking to me, yeah. as I understand it for me. Yeah. Whether it be God, Jesus, Allah, Bala, Buddha, yourself, universe, somewhere, someone, yeah. you know, that's, you know, um, that stool or whatever, yeah, something yeah. out of myself that yeah. I talk to, and um, yeah, and you know, like um, I'm a drug addict. You know, I want things to happen right now, instantaneously. I want a solution to all my problems. Mm. But as I understand, um, as I understand, my mother talking to me, you know, is the first thought. Mm. And if I practice that thought, um, if I practice that thought, everything's okay. You know, it becomes stronger. The voice becomes stronger, or the intention becomes stronger, and you have more meaning and. Yeah. maybe desire to change and, and to to get your, your life in order. Yeah, and my did. life is in order. Yeah. You know? um, my boy, my sons now, you know, they're 19, 20, yeah. and they're going through their own experience, and yeah. one's in prison, and, you know, like, and, yeah, sad. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're living, oh, I have a lot of fear mm. for them. You know, mm. My other son's active and I, you know, it's just, yeah, it's it's horrific for me, you know. But I talk to other people that have gone through that experience where their partners and kids and you know um, family as well, and how they deal with that, you know. Because I don't know what to do, you know. And mm. I want I want to feel comfortable, and I like who I am. I've made a lot of amends for all the stuff that I didn't like in myself, mm. you know, um, of harms that I created in the past, and I forgive myself, you know. Mm. Uh, my joy in life is today, my granddaughter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, she's two and a half for my youngest son, Aaron, and um, she melts my heart. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's gorgeous, yeah. and she loves me, and, yeah. um, and I love her, and I love my son, something shocking. Mm. <coughs> how many... <coughs> Excuse me. That's okay. Um, in total, do you know how many years you would have spent in prison? In adult... Prison from Pentridge to Fremantle to Casalina to Bunbury to <coughs> just over ten years. Ten years. Yeah, and a little bit more on top of that because of when you were in juvenile. Well, I was in youth training centres for nearly three years. Okay. And before that was fifteen months. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. So what? What do you feel like, you know, those, I've heard, often heard you say, um, sometimes the best thing for someone who has, you know, severe issues, like you've mentioned about your sons before, is sometimes going to prison can actually fix some, some people. I know it's not a good thing in the sense like you want to go to prison <coughs> because, because you're so messed up that, you know, that's going to make you better. But for some people, it actually gives them time to reflect and think. Is that right? Is that what uh, I agree. Yeah. Uh, I agree. You know, like looking back at the reality of my life and you know, my, all my times in prison and, and that prison saved my life. Mm. You know, there was drugs in prison, yeah. Mm. You know, but um, the time that I stayed clean in prison, until I got seven and a half years, I just gave up mm. and used as much as I could. Mm. Um, you know, like prison saved my life, mm. you know. Um, and helped me to see things differently. You know, my older son's in prison at the moment, you know, and um, I witnessed a lot of stuff in prison. Yeah. 
I was seeing people just about bashed and mm. to death and yeah, you know, all that stuff. You know, so I have a lot of fear. You know, I've been through a process of my stuff in my past lifestyle personally that I've forgiven others and forgiven myself mm. of stuff that you know, but it's all come back mm. in fear for my sons. Mm. You know, what you know, because for um the lifestyles that they're living, um, yeah, there's only three things that will happen, jails, institutions, or death. Mm. You know, my son's in prison, but he's thinking a lot more clearly. He's been in detox a few times, and, mm. you know, like, yeah, you know, and he's, you know, he's a lot clearer. Mm. I mean, you know, we're, you know, I've got a good relationship with my sons most of the time. Yeah. <coughs> <coughs> Not all the time, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, why don't you tell me, tell me a little bit about your um, your your love for tattooing and artwork? Because oh. you said you picked that up in prison. Um, <coughs> did you become like the the local prison tattooist at one point, or oh, you, there was a, all people a few doing of you? them, you know, different people doing them, and I loved it. Yeah. You no, know, I started drawing people's tattoos in boys' homes, you know, copying them off their arms. So it's from a very young age that you were fascinated <coughs> with yeah. tattoos, yeah. Yeah, and um Yeah, and I've you know, I loved it. Yeah. You know, and um and today I still love it. I do tattoos. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah. And um and you know, like when I the last rehab I got out of, you know, my mentor, sponsor thing, yeah, you know, he said to me, he said, What do you want to do when you get home? I said, Well, I want to stay clean yeah. and bring up my sons. Yeah. And he said, Well, what you've been doing here in this rehab, do it when you get home. And I said, I want, when I get, I want to do tattoos and get tattoos. Yeah. No, you know, I'm 60 and I'm still doing tattoos and I'm still, still getting, getting tattoos. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, and I have dreams. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. And that stuff's become reality, plus so much more. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, plus so much more. You know, I've had that on stage in Brisbane, yeah, Melbourne. Um, I've been a priest in the play. play. Yeah, yeah. There I was arrested in a bank as dressed as a priest. Yeah. And now I'm getting. I, I was getting paid for it. You know. Yeah. And um, you know, a big turnaround. You know, um, I was in a play called The Chat. Okay. Um. Uh, dressed as a priest, cleansing a guy from his criminal past. <laughs> you know, How's that? A, you know, like, yeah, it just brings a smile to me, you know. And, yeah, yeah. You know, and I never planned that, it just happened, you know. Yeah. And for me, it's, you know, I never thought that my life and living could change, but now it has. Mm. And, uh, <coughs> <coughs> yeah, too many cigarettes. And, um, <laughs> no, not enough. Um, yeah, and, um, yeah, I'll just, you know, like, I never thought that our life and living was going to change, mm. but it has, mm. because I've got a suspicion from other people that it couldn't be possible for mm. them. <coughs> Can you tell me a little bit about what you are doing currently, or what you've been doing over, say, the years? Because um, I know you've helped a lot of people that have been in similar situations or have going through um, drug abuse or have been in jail and in and out of jail. Um, I know you, you spend a lot of time, you know, at, at detox programs and stuff like that. Can you sh shed a bit of light on that? Yeah, well, I, um, I'm on a roster of going into detoxes. Yeah. Um, couple. 
just spread my story as we're doing right now. Yeah. And um, to try and plant a seed of hope in them. Yeah. You know, that's my journey in life is trying to plant a seed and just to be a friend to others. Mm. You know, um, and yeah, that it's possible for them too. Yeah. But they've got to put the action in. Yeah. You know, I'm powerless over that stuff. You know, mm. um, yeah. So do you find when you... I'll, I'll go to two different detoxes. I've just put in, um, just put in a, uh, uh, an application to go to um, be involved in a peer support help program in a prison. Okay. You know, um, yeah, because for me, for me, every time I was getting out of prison, I know, I know, I know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, but mm. I didn't know, deep down inside, I didn't know what to do. Mm. You know, and it's okay, you know, to plan to see your hope and these guys getting out of prison, you know, it's okay to ask for help. Yeah. And that you don't know what to do because I know all I can do is express my experience. Yeah. You know, and, um, and try to help them feel comfortable and, you know, to open up to say, oh, I don't know what to do. Yeah, you and know? ask for help. But I won't tell them what to do. I'll yeah. just say, well, this is what I did. Yeah. You know, do they find inspiration in your story and what you've gone through to see that you can come out the other end and and get get yourself in order? Um, I was I went in all the, in the past years. You know, I was involved in um, life in transition program. Yep. at Port Phillip Prison. Yep. and Stepping Stones program at um, Melbourne Remand Centre, uh, Metropolitan Remand Centre for the young offenders, and. Um, and that's what I was doing, you know, planting the seed of hope. And I'd bump into people at Port Phillip Prison mm. who I used to be in Pentridge with. Mm. And, um, you know, like, what are you doing here? Mm. You know, I said, are you part of this program? Well, come and have a listen. Mm. And I go, you? You of all people? Mm. I never thought. I said, yeah, I just had enough, mate. Yeah. You know, um, you know, I just had enough. And I didn't know what to do. So I asked for help. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And today, I still ask for help with what I'm going through today. Yeah. You know, because, yeah, worrying about my kids. Yeah. You know. Well, I think it's, um, it's, it's something, especially for young men, they think that asking for help, there's still a stigma around asking for help or, you know, acknowledging that you, you might have a problem or that you can't, say, be sufficient to look after yourself. And hearing your story where you where you've you've gone through a, a pretty tough time but you've also had self-realization and, and thankfully you had people along the way that did put their hand out for you if it was a priest offering prayer or a friend who ran the detox program for men mm. um it, it, i think it would be quite motivational and also but helping for people that might be going through a similar experience now to see you and to hear your story and that's why i wanted to get you on here to, to talk about it because it it is quite an amazing journey that you've gone through and to see someone in your stature now who's a, a thriving member of the community who's responsible and you know is full of love you know i think it's a great a great um a great image to look up to for the mm. other people that are struggling yeah. um, on this um i had this experience in 2012-13 um, that rehab that I was paroled to in Perth and I shot through after 10 days and I was paroled there and I flew back to Melbourne 
Um, in 2000, late 2012, I was arrested for breaching my parole in Perth, and I was flown back to uh, I was extradited back to Perth to go to prison. Mm. I used to think love was good sex. Yeah. Uh, um, but in that hor- horrific experience, I experienced love from the community mm. in Footscray. You know, um, a good friend who lives a few streets away from me near the coffee shop. Yeah. Um, he organised over 30, char- 30 character references yep. from people in the community, from school teachers to just people. Yeah. You know, and... Um, and had them had these character references sent to the parole board in Perth. I was in prison for four months, and it was the work hardest four months wow. that I ever experienced. I've got two sons; they were at secondary college, and mm. you know, but people in the community, my family, come running, took custody of my boys. You know, my tattooist, who I'm seeing tonight, you know, like yeah. he paid the rent on my house for six months in full, so I wouldn't lose the house. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, and then a friend of mine, Jess, you know, she took full custody of me boys after three weeks and moved back in my house. Mm. I've got my little lawn mowing thing happening, you know. Yeah, you're a business. Yeah, lawn mowing and gardening thing, you know. I used, you know, like, I, um, you know, like one of the clients, you know, gave me boys and Jess $2,500 as a gift so they could fly over to Perth and visit me in prison for mm. Christmas. And the prison even gave me four vi- four days of visits mm-hmm. in a row, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I experienced love from the community, from my sons, from my tattooists, from my family, mm. that I never experienced, you know. Look, I had copies of those, of those references sent to me in prison. Mm. I was in Albany prison and, um, and I hated it. Mm. It would have been a crazy emotional roller coaster knowing that you'd you'd been out of prison for a while, you were clean, and then oh, you, you had to go back and reserve. Yeah, yeah, it must, yeah. must have been um, devastating. It was a nineteen-year-old warrant. Mm. You know, I sat in a lot of fear. Mm. You know, I sat in a lot of fear in all those years. You know, I'd get pulled up for a license check, and I'd mm. be in fear of mm. them coming to pick me up. You know, but the goodness out of it is I experienced love in a whole new area. Mm. You know, I read those letters in my soul and I, I had tears, mm. you know, and um, I felt love in a whole new area. Yeah. The day the parole board made a decision, they called me to the front office. They called me to the front office in Albany Prison and um, and they said, you, you can go home in two days. Wow. You're out in two days. And... Um, yeah, and I walked back into the prison yard and they said, how'd you go? I said, I'm out in two days. Mm. Everyone, uh, not everyone, but a lot of them were clapping. Yeah. One guy come up to me and said, if anyone deserves to get out of out of prison, it's you. Yeah, wow. There was one guy there, he come up to me and he said, my nickname's Half, and he said, Half, last time I seen you, you were getting carted car- out on a stretcher at Bunbury Prison. You just overdosed on heroin. <laughs> I went, well, he goes, you look different. I said, I'm 20 years older, mate. <laughs> and he said, no, nah, something else is going on. And I said, I haven't used drugs at that time, six years. Mm. And I said, how long are you doing? And he said, um, life. Yeah, wow. He said, I, I was only young when I seen you. He said, I got on the heroin, but me and my wife used ice. I killed her and me, and me 
and me and me child. Oh wow! And he said, um, and you could see the tears coming down his wow. cheeks, you know. And um, he said, but I've got my older son here in prison with me. I'm looking <laughs> after him, you know. And he gave me a pair of runners. I think I've still got them. Yeah. You know, um, I don't wear them because you mm. know. That was a long time ago, mm. and I don't forget that. You know, I have compassion for other people. Mm. You know, we've done a lot of bad things in our life. Mm. That doesn't mean we're bad people. No, no, I'm some. Yeah. Well, you don't define yourself who you were 25 years ago. That's I'm, not you. No, I'm not, not that anymore. person. No, you know, I, I used to feel, I used to feel not a part of the community mm. in a big way. Mm. But from that experience in prison, you know, six years ago, seven years ago now, um, six years ago, like, I do feel a part of the community, but there's still that little bit, I'm a bit different, mm. you know, but I've, I, am, I am a part of the community, you know, and, um, and I think of others, you know. But what I'm after at the moment, a miracle cure for my sons. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there's not one. Yeah. <laughs> It's a tough, yeah. it can be a, it's a learning curve for them, isn't it? For sure. Um, yeah. Um, that guy, when I was in church and he come up to me and I felt hopeless and worthless and no hope and that prayed for me. Mm. And that's, he showed me, he helped me to experience the power of prayer. Mm. And, I like, and everyone to their own, you know, whether they believe and they don't believe and they do it or they don't do it. You know, for mm. me, it's about having good thoughts for other people. That's all. Yeah. You know, and I yeah. have a lot of good thoughts and, and that's all I do. And I pray for my sons, you know. Yeah. I have good thoughts for other people yeah. know, that are going through hard times. You know? Yeah. That's great. Yeah. It's something I try and talk to about with my clients that are dealing with wanting to lose weight or have, you know, feel like they have bouts of depression is it's, it, it, it's, it's hard to start somewhere, but trying to start with that that's that self-talk with yourself and and right. telling yourself that you are worthwhile and trying to build momentum each day with with doing something good for yourself or doing something good for others as well to try and build mm. upon that because you can get sucked back into the negative momentum of, of abuse and negative thoughts very easily right. so you need to be able to to try and get some momentum in the positive direction right. and, 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 and continue that. And it can be hard to cultivate, but it's something that I think everyone goes through at a stage in their life where you need to ask yourself the hard questions and, 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 and ask which direction do I want to go in? Right. Well, you, for me, you know, I, um, it was suggested to me, mm. you know, just to try and live one day at a time. Mm. And all I can do is what I'm doing today. Mm. And for me, I say, you know, my reality for me, tomorrow happens when I wake up. Yep. Then I plan the day. You know, like from the person, from the person many, many years ago that thought that this, you know, um, God stuff or whatever, you know, yep. Buddha stuff or whatever, you know, was for weak people. And you know, I like, for me, I get on my knees and pray beside my bed every morning. Yeah, yeah. Been doing it for near thirteen years. Yeah, you know, and it's for me, you know, and it's just what I do. Mm. I don't tell any anyone else though. It's mm. just what's comfortable for me. Yeah, you know, and that's my business. Mm. You're starting. Like, you're starting the day off on a good, yeah, on a good foot with yeah. giving gratitude and thanks and and, and praying. And then I go to a coffee shop, you know, and that's my joy. Yeah, I love it, and mm. I real feel really a part of there. You know, it gets. You know, and I see people there and, 
you know, and have a chat, and mm. you know, I love it. You mm. know, and I'll go home with my latte, and um, you know, and I have a joke every morning there, and you mm. know, a double shot latte, two sugars, three stirs to the left, and a fourth to the right if it's a girl serving me, and a smile. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And I, you know, like, yeah, yeah, and um. And it gives me joy, it gives yeah. me a bounce in my step and I go back home and I get me diary and I write out what I've got to do for today. Yeah. You know, and you know, at the end of my prayers on my knees in the morning, I always think, I always pray, how can I help someone mm. today without expecting anything in return? Mm. Because when I used drugs, it was all about me, 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 me. Mm. So I and being so selfish and self-centered mm. and dishonest to myself and, you know, mm. But in that process, I found myself too. Mm. You know, um, yeah. There was a good friend of mine. You know, he's hung himself, and um, he said that drugs made him feel powerful. That drugs made him feel powerful. Yeah, yeah. I went, yeah, me too. You know, I just heard him, and I reflected to the similarities. Many years later, they made him feel unpowerful. Mm. So we had to find another power. Mm. And he found that in God. But mm. that's for him, you know? Mm. And um, guess what? Me too. Mm. You know? And, um, you know, yeah. But everyone's, you know, tonight I'm going to meet up with my mate mm. and um, yeah, get some tattoo supplies. <laughs> you know? And have a good uh, time. Yeah. And, <laughs> um, yeah. And on Sunday, I'm, I've got a granddaughter. Yeah. You know, I'm going to see her. Yeah, and yeah. Um, down in Moorwall and... Um, and that's my joy in life and yeah. your experience of being a grandfather. You've got purpose. You've got good purpose. Yeah. And um, on Saturday, I'll go and see my son in prison, you know? Yeah. Um, and um, you know, I'll write a little note to God in the morning and I'll pray that my other son comes home. Mm. Yeah. He hates it. Yeah. Wow. Mm. John, I just wanted, before we wrap it up, mate, I just wanted to say thanks for sharing your story. No problems. Um, I feel like we could talk for hours. Um, and I'm sure, you know, we might end up having another conversation. We always have good conversations every uh, time we cross paths on the street or when you come and mow my lawn because you know how to mow a lawn. You've got a good little <laughs> business running there. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to say thanks for sharing your story because it, it is, it's powerful and I think it is inspirational. And I think anyone that listens to this knows w- would get some sort of... Uh, positive effect from it for sure mm. and you know you're sharing you're sharing your story with people around the world because people can listen to podcasts and interviews i know you've done other interviews before as well and mm. it's it's an, it's an amazing journey that you've lived and i just wanted to say thank you oh my pleasure yeah you know, for me this is just you know like for me you know, if anyone listens and is having some problems with the problems that i've had in my life and i thought there was no ending um death was going to be the the thing we're all going to die you know um that it's possible for them too mm. because i got that from other people too mm. who lived a similar lifestyle to my past that it's possible for them too yeah you know and um and it's possible for anyone yeah you know for me is that i didn't know what to do anymore it was the best thing i ever done mm. you know um yeah because i had a high ego and but deep down a low self-esteem. Mm. You know, and I'm trying to get balanced with that now. And that's possible for anyone. Yeah. You know, You've got to life. ask as well. Ask for help. Yeah, and it's okay to ask. Yeah. You know? Um Yeah. Awesome. Well we'll leave it on that, John. And No problems. 
Speak to you soon, mate. Yeah, no problems. Have a god, Dave.